Hey guys, if you are a father who would like to have a deeper relationship with your son, if you have a son that you're trying to pour into and develop, if you want to help your son see the greatness that you know he has in his life, I've got a very special event coming up June 23rd through 27. We are going to be in Cleveland National Forest. My father's coming with me, Who my, the man who you hear me talk about all the time, who helped me become who I've become in life. We're going to be doing a father-son rite of passage event, Map and Compass Land Navigation. I'll be teaching you how to use Map and Compass in the exact same place that I learned in Navy SEAL training. This is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You'll, rem- you'll have these memories for the rest of your life. If you want to find out more, you can click the link in the description below. We've only got 16 spots available and we've already sold a few of those you can find out more at the impossible.life slash legacy navigators i can't tell you when this thought process started but i wanted to be great the the awareness of wanting to be great that it was it, it transcends a competitive spirit it transcends wanting to beat somebody it was like no like i want to be good at this that's impossible let me tell you what I believe. But your weakness is not your technique. Yes! Yes! Don't think you are. Know you are. The Impossible Life Podcast. I mean, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks. This is the Impossible Life Podcast. Because Nick and I are attempting to live impossible lives. What we know is that nothing is impossible. So instead of using impossible as an excuse to not try, we'll use the pursuit of impossible as an accelerant for greatness. If something's never been done before, that just means it's unexplored. If they tell you it's too hard, it's just waiting to be simplified. Impossible is a default label used by uncourageous people unwilling to take a risk. The real truth is this. The solution to any impossible task starts with this question. If I had to, what would it take? take? Welcome to another episode of the Impossible Life Podcast. I'm your co-host, Nick Surface, and I'm looking across at a man who once punched a whale shark because he doesn't like indecision. That's right, (laughs) friends. The former Navy SEAL. Garrett Unklebach, a man who doesn't believe in ligers, whale sharks, or any other weird animal mixes. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I don't even remember where that came from, but uh, that was an inspired moment for me. The, the whale shark punch is, is only a slight exaggeration. I have swam with the whale sharks. That's, held, that's held where on it came to one, from. but never and your wife one. once told me that you punched a shark, and I didn't doubt it at first. So, yeah, so. anyways, getting distracted. <laughs> we we won't go down that route. On. Today yeah. is a massive day for us. You may have day. heard the laughter of an absolute phenom of a man. For the first time ever, somebody who has their sound effect. Standing ovation. Only guest I'll do that for. <laughs> Pastor Keith Kraft is here with us. Thank in the you. house. It's an honor, you, honor to be with you guys. If you've been listening to us for any <laughs> amount of time, you've heard us quote Pastor Keith over and over and over again. And I don't know, plenty of you who listen to this podcast know him very well, but there's so many of you who don't live here in Frisco, Texas with us. And do not know this man that's so much more than a pastor, spiritual father in my life. And we're so excited to have him on the podcast today. I feel like it's been a long time coming, and now we get to share him with all of you. Yeah, man. We, you're the most quoted member, or most quoted person on our podcast yeah, by well, far. That, that's really an honor. No, thank you for that. And, um, you know, first, Garrett, let me just say that uh, for, your, for your listeners, um, what a privilege it was for me to watch you grow up. 
I mean, I'm probably the only person besides your parents who have that perspective, but we always knew Garrett was totally different (laughs) because, uh, my, my son and I are completely opposite and, and now your best friend is completely opposite, which gives you a unique and dynamic perspective of people. Like if you can, if you can love, if you can, um, Except if you can sometimes tolerate, but if you can choose to position yourself to learn from those that are opposite from you, it will help you with the most devastating part of you. The most devastating part of you is your blind spots. Mm. It's, it's devastating because if, there, you, if you do not have anybody in your life that can help you see from a completely different perspective. Anyway, I say all that to say that that's what my son Josh did for me. I made him a teacher in my life early because I thought, <laughs> okay, this was a God thing. I, I, I thought I would, I mean, the Bible talks about, Genesis talks about creating and reproducing after your own kind. When I had Josh, I went, <laughs> is this my own kind? I mean, he's got some derivative of his mother's side of the family or something because, <laughs> I mean, it was it was absolutely opposite. So then, when I would see you and him together, I would I would think in my mind, and your own father and mother, but your own dad specifically would say, "Garrett's like more your son than he is our son." I said, "I know that's the strangest thing, man, but it's a God thing. It it's is. a God thing because because the way God sees tribes, the way God sees family. In fact, the way I'll just say this: God always starts with a man, like He did Abram. And then he said, I want you to have a great family. I want that family to become a tribe. I want that tribe to become a nation. And that nation became a kingdom. And so it always starts that way. It always starts with the man. Right. And it starts with that man being very intentional about his family. So the way God sees family is not the way we see family. We see family as origin. We see family as uncontrollable. We see family as I had no uh, decision, the family that I was born into. We see we, we see people who, who allow themselves to be so influenced in the wrong way by people that they had no choice as to the kind of family that they were born into, the siblings that they would have. It's, it's not your choice. So the way God views kingdom is God sees kingdom as family, but family of choice. Yeah. And family of choice trumps family of origin people do not get that they don't understand that but that is the biggest deal so i say all that will you expand on that for a second because that's not a topic that we've it's very local to us but family of choice isn't something that we've talked about in depth on the podcast will you expand on because i've never heard anyone talk about that before i heard you talk about well i I think i'm the only one that's ever honestly I, i don't mean that egotistically at all i'm just saying it was a revelation early for me because with and again when, you know, if you hear somebody say, with all due respect, they're, they're about to be disrespectful. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not trying to be disrespectful. But the family that I grew up in, I felt like an absolute alien. Yeah. I thought, so this is my dad. Oh, this is my mom. Literally. So by the time I was like a kid, I mean, one of the early stories, Garrett, you've heard it. But one yeah. of the early stories was we were driving down this dirt road in a part of Texas that I'd never, it seemed like a far, far away place, but it was only in the, it was in the DFW area. And, and my dad was taking us because he was considering buying a 35 acre farm. And 
I remember thinking, man, this is so cool. So we're in the station wagon, and I'm sitting in the back seat that's face that the window's facing outward. You know, the yeah. the seat was, you know, you have to go way old school. Yeah. You know, there were station wagons like that we before, had one of those. before SUVs yeah. with fake wood paneling on the side, oh, the yeah. whole thing. <laughs> and so um, anyway, I remember we went to this farmhouse. We looked around. There's animals and all that. Okay. So I said 35 acres. It was more than that, but it was $35,000 for, yeah. for it all. And <clears throat> my dad, when we drove away, my dad said, that's way too expensive. And I remember turning around and looking at him as he was driving. And I said, Dad, if you don't, now I was like 11 years old. I said, if you don't buy this, this will be the worst mistake that you that you didn't yeah. do this. And this would be the worst decision you didn't make. And my mother said something, I don't want to be on a farm. Anyway, today that's uh, DFW Airport. And so it's like <laughs> there was there was this innate thing on the inside of me. Like there were things that I knew, and I didn't know why I knew them. What I did have was I had a mom that, that prayed for godly wisdom for me. And Absolutely. very early I learned to pray for godly wisdom. Now, with that said... Um, you, you're the one that made that so real to me in my life because you are very intelligent, but you also have a son who you knew early, like Josh is smarter than me. Absolutely. But like I, you know, I got to grow up watching this and it's like where I can, I can see the ways where Josh was, you know, I remember when we're teenagers and Josh is very smart. It's like, man, Pastor Keith is so wise, mm. right? And it's things like that mm. where all through my life, I've seen you bring a wisdom where you say like, I can't. In human knowledge, I can't translate this to you, but right. I, but I know what's right. Right. right, and that's that. That was you are the one who made that type of wisdom real to me to understand that there is a wisdom that supersedes like just being smart on the earth. Yeah, well, what I would compare what we're talking to family of origin and family of choice, I would compare that to intellect and wisdom. That's right. Yeah, because that's good. intellect is something you're naturally born with. Right now, you have to develop it, but wisdom is something you choose. Mm-hmm. Wisdom is something you grow in. In fact, the Bible says in Luke two fifty two that Jesus grew in three, three, three things. He grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, and he grew in favor with God and man. So you think about Jesus being the son of God. If he grew in those three things, like why would the Bible specifically mm-hmm. say he grew in those three things? Mm-hmm. He didn't grow in the blessing of the Lord. He grew in the favor with God and man, blessing and favor are very different. He grew in stature, of course. We understand that in terms of natural characteristics and things like that. But he grew in wisdom. And the Bible says in Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is the principal thing, right. therefore get wisdom. And with your wisdom, get understanding. And then verse 8 said, and she, wisdom, will exalt you. Yeah. Put a crown of honor on your head. Bring you wealth. So for me, that's the way I see family of choice. Family of choice is the people that I choose to grow through life together. Not just to go through life together, but to grow through life together. And so it's really the ability to choose your family of choice is, is in my opinion, the highest level of wisdom. That's so, uh, you, with, between wisdom and intentionality and family of choice, for you, I think, when I try to like, you know, I know so much of your, your life story and I think mm-hmm. back to, I can imagine it just from all the pictures and stories that I've seen of what you're like, life was like at 15. And just tell me if this is accurate. I feel like, you you know, there's this natural alien sense, like I don't belong in this family, but also through like the wisdom sense, through God speaking to you, there's like a divine belonging that you know exists. And it's yeah. like, even though it's not these people 
and, and maybe I feel isolated, I feel alone in my family, I know there is a place that God has for me that is a great family where I'm very loved, where I'm very celebrated. Yeah. Is that what that was like yeah, for you at 15? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how it was even before that. So, again, we'll, I'll, I'll get as descriptive as I can, a family of origin, a family of choice. But, but that'll be the first topic we discuss because I think it's so vital, and yet so many people are bruised, wounded, and forever negatively influenced by their family of origin their dad didn't love them their dad didn't know how to be a dad or they didn't have a dad or they were raised by a single mom or whatever the dysfunction is okay but but uh but when i was growing up for instance like i can't tell you when this thought process started but i wanted to be great we were going to get, we were going to add, yeah, yeah, we were like, I, I, I wanted to be like, I would look and I would go, Hmm, like if I was going to run, what, what age was that for you? Were you at least by the sixth grade? So yeah. that would be 10 years of age. Yeah. So by 10, I'm running track, like I'm running track. I'm playing every sport I can play. And, and the truth is I was the fastest and I, if not the best, I was one of the best and I don't want to come across egotistical. I'm just saying it was the, the awareness of wanting to be great, that it, was, it, it transcends a competitive spirit. Yeah. It transcends wanting to beat somebody. It was like, no, like I want to be good at this. So what we had at our school that now is totally politically incorrect <laughs> is the Presidential Physical Fitness Award. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So yeah. they, they don't have that now because that, that, that would make too many people feel bad. God forbid. No, I'm like, just saying. It was like, yeah, hey, we don't do uh, push-up tests anymore yeah. in school. Wait, yeah. Hey, so, don't, don't so, so my yeah. deal was to, was to like not to beat anybody, but I would literally ask like, "What's the most anybody's done?" Or what's like like for this age bracket? I loved that. I remember that part in, in PE when the teacher would say like, "You know, this is the score we'd like you to get. This yeah. is really good. This would be like amazing." Yeah, and yeah. I, I felt the same way that I know yeah. you felt at that point. Like, oh, this is like this is potential. What what can be done, and what if I could do more than I'll, that? I'll tell you how. So in the seventh grade was the first time I ever got beat in a, in a race. Okay. So to put this in perspective, so back in, so this would be around 1970. In 1970, I ran the 50 yard dash in five, two, what that would be a wow. hundred yard dash would be 10, four. Yeah. That's smoking. So how so, old were you in 19? So like 10. You're joking. Yeah. So I'm talking about like, like you're fast, yeah. right? And then by the time we came around to seventh grade, a guy named Ivy Gooch beat me. He had a broken arm. I thought that's the only way he could have beat me. He was throwing his cast. <laughs> I remember you told that. Yeah, he's like, 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 but it, isn't it amazing? I remember his name. Yeah. I don't remember anybody else's name that I went to elementary school hardly. I mean, I could probably like think, like, you know, think of some names. Like it's coming to me now. Like I could name some names. It, 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 frankly, don't matter. And I don't mean that negatively, but I'm just saying, but. I remember his name because he was the first guy that beat me, which just made me want to be greater. Yeah. It wasn't like, huh. oh, man, he beat me. No, it was like, so, so. My and there, gra- my there's, there's great wisdom just there in what you said, too. And some of that, like, and I want to ask you, like, how much of that do you think is natural to you that God puts in you? Because what, one of the things you talk about is when you see someone that's better than you, right? And, and I'll let, let you say it, but you're either intimidated by them yeah. or you're inspired yeah. by them. Yeah, so greatness has one of three responses. You're, it, it either inspires people right. 
it makes people jealous or they're intimidated. And so what that tells and you... so you were inspired. Uh, absolutely. Always been inspired Where do you by think greatness. that comes from? Uh, for me, it, it came from my intimacy with God. Yeah. I mean, I'm just telling you. It's like I spent time with God when I was a little boy. I'm talking about hours in God's presence. Like every Sunday, I was down at the altar. My mama was on one side, who's my hero. My mom's on the other side. And the, in this pursuit of God, it was like there was a hunger like Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, which means his way of doing things, for they will be filled. And so very early in my life, I had this sense of, man, like, God, I want to be great for you. That was my driving thing. Like, I want to be great for you. Like, I, I understood this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not my own body. So what I do with my body is going to glorify God. Now, what I knew early is that I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. I mean, I knew that. Like, <laughs> I go, man, there's a lot of people that are smarter than me. Sure. But guess what I can do? Like, I learned, and my mom taught me this. Ask God for wisdom. And that's what I would do. I would go, mm. God, I just need your wisdom, like, to fill in the gap. So, again, wisdom, intellect, it's, it, it's two different things. I'll, I'll, let me say it this way. It's the same coin, but it's two different sides of the coin. Right. So, just like family of origin and family of choices. So, just like with your you, – you, you have basically your – in your genes, in your DNA – you have an intellectual capacity. Right. Uh, but in terms of godly wisdom, there is no limit. Hmm. There's no That's limit. That's right. So I can develop myself. But, but listen, in, in, most, in most education systems, for instance, they'll say you're either good at math or you're good at English. Right. So what I knew is that I was good at English. What I knew is that was, I knew I did not do well in math, but I'm still intrigued by math. Yeah. Like math is still a challenge for me. It did not come easy for me. So it was like, it was a challenge for me. It wasn't like, oh, I'm bad at math. I can't do math, you know? So you were, uh, you know, and because of your story, and I want to cover that really quickly, but what happened to you, right, you know, when you were very young, mm-hmm. that you knew that God has a plan for your life. You yes. understand, yeah. you have purpose. That was, that was the basis for, and, and again, I can't tell you that I processed it this way, that I want to be great. But but what I did process for sure is God, I want to be my best for you. You you know you're still alive for a reason because yeah. God brought you back to life. Gee, can right? I can I jump in here for a yeah, second? Because we're like seven miles down the road, and there's a lot of people who are like, wait a minute, what? This guy can run fast. So you you can't see Pastor Keith. So I'm gonna give people the need to knows, and then let's let's keep going. So Pastor Keith Craft, not just a pastor, definitely not your mama's pastor. <laughs> six foot six, two hundred sixty five pounds. D1 scholarship for basketball, got recruited by the Cowboys, made the team, but actually wasn't able to go because the ca- of an NFL, NFL strike. Yeah. Okay, so Pastor Keith then went on and was on the power team, which if you don't know what that is, traveled the country if doing If you were alive strength. in the 80s and you don't know what the yeah. power team you, is. Were you really alive? You weren't paying yeah, attention. Exactly. We were, we were celebrities before celebrities were a thing. <laughs> it's like it's like there was no Instagram. I'd have about 5 million followers. Yeah. Because I mean, we spoke to, well, we stopped counting. By 1992, I'd spoken to over 6 million It people. shocks me Isn't all really? the time Six whether at, yeah. oh, yeah. at church all the time still people will yeah. come up yeah you know whether it's at mighty men or on sunday yeah. and they'll be like i remember you from yeah. you know 1987 yeah. at this school in this place 
And it's happened, like, since we started the church, people come up and do this. Josh and I have talked about this. Like, man, it's crazy how many people yeah. you touched in that season. It's cra- it is crazy because we were in the largest churches in America. We were in every major city, every public school. I'm just saying, if, if Instagram had happened or yeah. Twitter or whatever, we would have millions and yeah. millions of followers. <laughs> yeah. But it's a, God knows timing, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like... Whatever, but but it's for con- so for con- continued context. So traveled the world with a righteous mullet. It has to be said. I love yeah. those old pictures, man. They were glorious. Started his own <laughs> his own team, Strike Force, and continued to do that. Then traveled on the Get Motivated tours for fourteen years, speaking with people like Bill Clinton, Zig Ziglar, Mikhail Gorbachev, uh, Joe Montana, just to name a few. So yeah. some of the biggest names going around doing motivational speaking. At one point, it was all living presidents, all all the former presidents, all former world leaders that weren't dictators, but that did include Mikhail Gorbachev. He was kind of a dictator. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, but he was. Let me tell you a quick Mikhail Gorbachev story. First time I ever met Mikhail Gorbachev, it's just me and him and his interpreter and his security people so we're in the green how many were in his security squad uh i at least five or six yeah i have that at least i I I honestly can't remember it he pulls up in the black vehicle yeah four guys get out there's another black vehicle i you know i wasn't counting but it was a lot (laughs) so so we're in the green room and i start talking to him and i said can i pray for you and he he's interpreter and and then he looked at his interpreter looked at me and he said, he said, yes. And he said, I like something about you. Hmm. I, nobody's ever prayed for me before. So I prayed for Michael Gorbachev. That's what I did with every president did with Bill Clinton. I grabbed Bill Clinton. His, his secret service guys came up and I got, he goes, it's okay. And I put my arm around it and pulled him as close to me as I could. And I said, you know, you were born in hope, Arkansas for a reason. And it wasn't because you had a destiny to be president, but to give hope to people. He started crying, man. Mm. I started praying over him. I can't tell you that so many things like that that happened. Yeah. Is it, I don't know why even God had me in those deals, but one thing was for sure, everybody got prayed for. Everybody yeah. got a word from the Lord, you know, at yeah. some point, you know, but anyway. Yeah. And some, and, and on, on that, if, you know, even if, if there wasn't even a reason and there were so many reasons for you to be there. It's also a dream that God put in your heart. Yes. Yeah. That's one of my favorite stories yeah. that, that you tell of, and, and we can we can tell a lot of stories, but it's yeah. one of my favorite ones that you tell of being in the stadium, watching these events with your brother. Mm. And because the, where, where I want to take this is your brother called you crazy. Yeah. And that's one of the things oh, yeah. that like, I feel like we, that's shared. what I felt like in my family. We, I, I was crazy. I was like, yeah, that's where I feel like we share DNA because all through my teenage years, everyone, yeah. your daughter included, called me crazy all the time. Oh, they're probably right, though, G. Let me finish this bio real quick, because otherwise we're just never going to... I promise. Yeah, last, sure. last whistle no, stop tour. Yeah. 2000, starts Elevate Life Church, which has now been around for 23 years in Frisco, Texas, the Cathedral of Frisco. Uh, pastor Keith, like we said, not just a pastor. He is the world's leading think coach, literally coaches people from business leaders, CEOs, entrepreneurs on their thinking, also has masterminds, has an online mastermind, has in-person elite and couples masterminds. Go to keithcraft.org and check them out. Has a yacht charter service in Destin that we'll talk about later. There's lots of things going on. And a jet charter service. And a jet charter. I mean, there's so many things going on. <laughs> Just to finish what? up, Gene, the is last thing that we were going to say is, uh, about, because you guys were referring to the story, Pastor Keith suffocated to death whenever he was a baby mm-hmm. and was actually pronounced dead and was dead for 30 minutes, if I remember correctly. Well, no, over, over an hour. Over an hour yeah. and got prayed back to life by his mamaw. Because so the, fi- the firefighters came and then they gave up. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, they, they said they pronounced me dead on the scene. Yeah. 
So, yes. so he's got a few. I was trying to go as fast as I could because no, we were in a good crazy. flow. But people, for people that don't know, that's why I said this is not just like a, a podcast guest that like, hey, he went and had a meaningful journey someplace. Like Pastor Keith lived seven or eight lives already, <laughs> and he's he's getting started on what number nine or ten, man. Yeah, cats yeah. are jealous of him. PK. Yeah. I've said it many times on this podcast, but if you listen to this podcast, it's because you you like the way that Nick and I think, and if you think anything highly of the way that Nick and I think. It is so influenced 100%. by who Pastor Keith is because yeah. he's the the other father in my life, and I learned so many great things about masculinity. I learned so many things about being a good son from my father, and Pastor Keith is the one. And it's is it KeithCraft.com or KeithCraft.org? It's KeithCraft.org. That's it's going to be KeithCraft.com very soon. Well, it'll be it'll be in the show notes. Yes. Go there to learn more about him. But he is the think coach, yeah, and he is the one who who taught me this. Right, like you guys have heard my story on here where I talk about how much the matrix inf- matrix influenced me and the ability to like add software to your brain and you know i i what the first time i watched that movie was with you and my father yeah right and yeah. on laser disc I, I, I remember that on, on <laughs> laser disc. get it but um <laughs> but he is the think coach and he's the one who taught me to think this way before he ever said the question this way this is the question he was living by is who taught you to think the way that you yes. think right mm-hmm. we get we get thinking that's just assigned to us in life and we live our whole lives by it and that's how you get to the end of your life and realize like man i did not think right in my life i did not act right i've mislived my life life, but it all starts with thinking. And I want to, I want to jump off from there into, you know, what we say at Elevate Life Church is if you elevate your thinking, you'll elevate your life. And what, what was the root of that for you? Like, uh, we talked about godly wisdom as a young man, but where did like you really get into this? Like, it's going to be an ongoing process for me that I'll shape my thinking. And this is the path to greatness in my life is learning to increase the way that I think. Where did that, how did you develop that? Yeah, I think through choosing my alignments, choosing my family mm-hmm. of choice, coming back to that. Uh, the I, the early influencers in my life were my mamaw, who Nick mentioned, mm-hmm. who prayed me back to life. And so her, her spiritual influence in my life is incalculable, uh, her influence on my spirit. Uh, the other early influence in my life was my Uncle Fred, uh, yeah. who had been in the Navy. And I got corrected, by the way. I thought he was an admiral, but he was a captain. But on his well, Okay, that's one That's one ring down from it. Captain's yeah, 06, what, Admiral's saying. 07. So, it's so, still very so that, significant. That was very, it was confusing for me because growing up I heard, oh, he's, uh, he's a captain. Because he went from being a lieutenant commander, I think, to being a captain. I think in the Navy that's, right. that's the way it works. And then... Uh, it's lieutenant commander, yep, commander, then yep, captain. And yep. he may have, you may have heard admiral thrown around because captain's going to like admiral surrection. That's like, yeah, a what I, what process. I, I guess what my brother actually went after, he said, I listened to your message this weekend. He said, just to, just so you know, Uncle Fred wasn't a, an admiral. But what he said when we were all growing up is that's the only regret he had that he oh, didn't okay. go ahead and stay on yeah. to, to be commissioned or whatever. And that's, that's congressional happened. when you go to yeah, that level. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, so anyway, he was another huge influence in my life because he not, I mean, he was a president of a bank actually gave Zig Ziglar his first loan to do his. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Your uncle Fred uh, gave, uh, yeah, Zig gave his, his first, first loan. loan. That's cool. And so how connected is that? Circle? So that, so that's, that's so, so the way that worked was again, these, 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 this, he was my uncle, but he was also my choice in terms of in my family of origin he was the most successful guy yeah so i gravitated towards and him is it was which side was he your uncle he was on? my mother's brother uh, oldest a, i'm brother. just curious yeah. your mother's oldest yeah. brother. Okay. and so we would go to his house and he was the first man that i ever knew that didn't have an office but he had a library yeah. and so his he, he had this library and i would go i would literally go in there for hours so from the time i was about 14 
really all through my high school years in the summer, even though we moved to Louisiana, we would come back and visit. And I would, but my first entree, my first introduction to Zig Ziglar was an, on an LP, a long play <laughs> album that he had in his library. And I pulled this album out. I thought, who is this? And when I heard Zig speak, 1975, I can remember where I was, July 1975. When I heard Zig Ziglar speak, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Really? Wow. Absolutely. I thought, what this guy's saying is so, this is exactly, the huh. way the way he thinks is the way I think. And so, I, because it was like, everybody around me, I'm just telling you, it's like nobody spoke my language. So part of finding your tribe is understanding that one of the greatest powers that you have is to choose, again, not who you're going to be around, not who you're going to go through life with, with but who you're going to grow through life with. And yeah. that'll determine who you're attracted to gives you a picture of your own destiny. Mm. So my destiny was not to be a banker like my uncle. My destiny was not to be like my mamma. My destiny was to have a, a type of spirit that my mamma had and a type of ambition that my uncle had for his gifts. And so when you begin to look at people and you see the greatness, whatever that greatness is, and you allow that greatness to inspire you, the beautiful thing that happens is one of the reasons you're inspired by their greatness is because you have a similar type gift. Mm. may not be the same, but that's what you have to realize. So when I realized that, it's like, okay, I'm going to read everything or listen to every back then cassette of this guy that I can listen to. And then also I'm going to open my mind up to, you know, I, I could not at 15, 1975, I could not see myself ever as a pastor. I couldn't, cause I would see pastors. I go, I'm not that I'm like, who was the first ministry person that was inspiring or admirable? Denny Duran. And that was, that was when I was 18. When I was 18, I went to evangel university on a basketball scholarship and met the football coach, which was Denny Duran. And Denny, when he saw me, you've got to understand, I mean, I mean, Nick kind of described me, but, uh, but when I was in college, I mean, I, I ended, I had 256 offers. Most of them were to D one schools. I chose to go to an NAI school Apologies, called, sir. called, uh, Evangel university. And the reason I chose to go there was because they were a Christian school. And I, at that time, it, there wasn't like Liberty University. Right. I didn't know about Liberty University. I don't, I don't think they were in existence then, but they may have been. But I didn't know about that. I didn't know. I, I knew about ORU. Uh, I thought about going to ORU, and I won't go into that story, but bottom line is the coach, while he was recruiting me, was fired for D, DUI. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm not supposed to go there. So I go to this little podunk school. I meet Denny Duran, and Denny, for four years, begged me to play football for yeah. him. He goes, you're faster than anybody I have. You can throw the ball a mile. You can catch blind. I mean, please. I go, I'm not, I'm, it's just not what I'm supposed to do, Denny. I'm just telling you. I'm here. I said, it's not about basketball for me. I said, or I wouldn't have come to this school. I said, it's about I'm supposed to be here. Use Well, again, it's too long a story to go into. But he became a guy that I thought, okay, he's in full-time ministry. He's athletic. He, you know, Again, is not just a typical pastor, and so it, it gave me a perspective that I could do something in ministry and, and not that, be a. That story of you at Evangel too is one of those like like so many things in your life, so like things in my life, and I learned how to look at my life this way from you, where it's like you were 
you were the best basketball player yeah. there. I think you were yeah. the best, right? But you didn't play because I mean, you of, know, I, I, it's egotistical to say that, but I, I certainly was one, at least one of the best. Yeah, right? I mean, I, let's put it this way. In the history of the school, I had the only four-year scholarship they ever gave. That's the best way to say it, because they only gave one-year scholarships and still do. But you had the, – the coach didn't like you, and, and that's a long story. It's a real and, deal. And you, and you just continued to dealt with, and then there's strife with the other players because of that. Yeah. And you could have been – like, yeah, uh, if it was just about sports for you, you said, I'm out of here. Like, yeah, I'm going go to exactly. go to some other team where the, where the coach will play me. Well, here's, here's what was crazy. This happened almost every game. Because in warm-ups, nobody can hold you back. Yeah. So in warm-ups, I am dunking every – I'm I'm just – that's going to be my game, I know, because the coach is not going to let me in. So, I mean, the other teams – now, back then, 78, 79, everybody wasn't elbows above the rim, dunking yeah. with both hands, two balls, dunking both balls, dunking behind, 360 dunks, off the backboard. I mean – and so it was like, it was like, on a show. This was, that's what I did in yeah. warm-ups. That's what I did. It's like, I'm going for it, man. So almost every game, not every game, but almost every game, somehow, some way the coach would get somebody to me or from the other team because they, they would say, what is that guy doing sitting on the bench? And the coach literally punished me. Uh, now, again, it's too long a story to go into, but I was not recruited by him. That was part of the problem. In the Assemblies of God, there was a general superintendent named Thomas Zimmerman. I was in a church, Marvin Gorman's church in New Orleans, and as a, as a high school athlete, was one of the top high school athletes in Louisiana, was recruited by the head of the Assemblies of God because they wanted a spiritual influence on that team. And so when I came there, the coach did not want that. He eventually, my third year, they asked, actually my senior year, they asked me not to play. And the coach was released, so it wouldn't be about me. But it was so obvious. I mean, so there's an old uh, Nick, an old movie called One on One, okay, with a, with a guy named Robbie Benson. If you ever want to just watch something like on Netflix or something, you can watch. That's my story. I don't know how. I don't know how somebody got my story. Really? But that is my story. That, I'm gonna have to watch. Did that. you know that? G? I've never I heard that. It's called yeah. One on One. Robbie Benson started in it, and when you watch that, that is my story. And every time the guy gets in, he just scored. Like I still hold the record for um, for block shots. Just he would let me in, and I would just be. I mean, and of course, you know, red, yellow, black, and white. But these guys, these black guys especially, they had never seen a white guy who could <laughs> jump like that. So they would jump up, and I would knock their shot into the stands. They were like. What in the world? Man, you can jump for a so, white boy. Yeah. So I brought I brought that story up just to say, you know, the way that you lived your life there and, and obviously you living that out and telling that story. And because the reason that you were at Evangel was so that you could be with Pastor Denny. Right. Yeah, that was the that, that was, was the reason. The reason. Yeah. So he was he was my first inspiration in terms of somebody that was in ministry but that was cool. He drove back then a two eighty Z, you know, back yeah. in the day. Cool. Yeah. Back, All back, his kids are cool. Back yeah. in the day. And he had played, you know, he he walked away from the Washington Redskins because oh, it was I didn't on know the front that. page of the Washington, whatever the main newspaper is up there. Uh, and it showed a pair of cleats and says he hangs up cleats to to glorify God or something. Oh, that's amazing. And so, but he had won the, the, uh, at that time there was the world football league and he had won with the Birmingham Americans. He had won the world championship with them. I forget what they call it. World football championship. And, uh, so anyway, he was just a guy. So we connected long story short for the next 20 years. So he, so he wanted me to play. I said, no, I'm not here to play. And then I'm the one out of all the players there that gets a letter from the Dallas Cowboys to come <laughs> for a trial. I'm not even one of the players, you know? I, and so I, I brought up Pastor Denny 
or, or in that direct and ask the question about, you know, who's the first ministry person that you admire? Cause we were talking about your uncle Fred yeah. and, and you have some other people like Zig for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that, what we were talking about was we didn't say it, but this is something I learned from you. Like, I mean, you're one of these people for me. And, and then I found other people like that. I can tell you who these other people were, where you said, find the people that you admire yes. and learn how to be like yep. them. Right. It doesn't mean you have to be exactly yeah. like yeah. them, but like, cause like even today your library in your house in, in Florida for you with, you know, J.P. Morgan Chase's cabinets. I, I know that's a, a picture of your Uncle Fred to you. Yeah, it right? is. And it even is. though there's plenty of things about your Uncle Fred that you didn't want to be, there's a that's a part of you. Like there's pieces of you Very that I said that I'm going to be this way Very in much. my life. And I think that's one of the great things that we get an opportunity to do. That I learned from you is find these people that are admirable and be like them. That's 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 the choice. That is how family of choice works. But the way greatness works is if again I just want to say this. If I see greatness in anybody, and everybody has greatness because your greatness, it works like this. God gives you gifts, and then based on the gifts that you have, he gives you his glory. Mm-hmm. So he gives you his glory, John 17. Father, you've given me your glory. Now nah, I give it to them. God gives you gifts, then he gives you his glory. Then that moves you into your greatness, yeah. and that ultimately becomes your genius that's the path. So the path is whatever gifts that I have. So when I look at somebody and I admire them, what I'm admiring, what I'm admiring is what people don't really associate with either like in basketball or baseball or any kind of entertainment sports. It doesn't matter what it is or business leaders. It's like when I look at somebody and I admire something in them, it's, it's a portal. And the portal is why would I, why would I admire them? It's, it, it gives you insight into your own ability, into your own gifts. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Just because somebody likes football doesn't mean they'll be a great football player. But the, they, they don't just like watching somebody playing football. They like watching somebody that's operating at their best and highest use. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I mean when I say that. So, again, it's gifts. Then God gives you his glory. But you have to activate God to get his glory. Then your greatness begins to grow and then that becomes your genius just like breathing air your your genius is when you just naturally and instinctively are able to solve a problem that nobody else can solve accomplish things that nobody else can accomplish and again how how did i discover that through watching other people so back to the admiration warren buffett you know i always try to give credit to where credit's due but warren buffett is the one that said if you admire somebody, do what they do, and you'll become admirable. Yeah. So that's just not a technical skill. That's not just some kind of competency. That's that's the way somebody treats somebody. Maybe, uh, like Joel Osteen. You know, we couldn't. There couldn't be two different people than Joel Osteen and I. And but but Joel Osteen, while I preach, has I think about him. Okay, you need to smile. Yeah. <laughs> Like, so even when I'm saying hard things sometimes, like I've got, okay. And he's getting, he's been getting firmer and firmer. He's getting, he's getting bold, but he's still so kind in in this world. So, so again, that's his genius. His genius is his kindness. Yeah. And, and as here's the thing, as a warrior, this is what you and I have in common and Nick, the, when you are a warrior, kindness is not your first thought. Yeah. Joel, Joel is kind. 
But if I'm going into battle, I'm picking y'all. The, the fact that if you ever experience kindness from me, which can in certain cases be rare, <laughs> it means <laughs> certain cases. And it, that is, it is only through Christ because it's not, it's not the way that I, I want. Know. To me, it's like I enjoy humor, but to me, it's like, what does that accomplish? I know love, <laughs> love is patient and like love, I'm, love I'm, is kind, and that's where it starts. But I'm just telling you, really, for everybody that would listen to this, your goal in life should not be to be kind. Your goal in life should be to take dominion. If you can be kind, be kind. Absolutely. But, but that's not my goal. Kindness, kindness is a mission killer, yeah. right? Like, and this is even, even in ministry, like how often do people say this? Like you, there's a, there's an open door to witness to somebody. And what does a Christian person say? You know, I didn't want to be rude. Really? Really? You're going to lose this opportunity to introduce yeah. Christ to somebody because you didn't want to be rude. Yeah. The mission is not kindness. Yeah. Kindness is a delivery method, yeah. but the mission is not kindness. And that's why I think, I think, True people that have a spirit of a warrior, uh, it's difficult for them to be around normal people. It's difficult for them in terms of choosing. You almost have to choose other type warriors. So I'm, I'm thinking about, so tell me if this was true, but I, I remember seeing the movie that was based on um, Mark. Marcus Luttrell. Marcus Luttrell. Survivor. Wasn't there a, a, a deal in that movie where they allowed some guys to live? Yeah. And those were the ones that ended up Absolutely. killing. That's me. exactly what happened. Well, so they allowed they allowed a little boy to live. They allowed, so that and was kindness. But in the Old Testament, you killed everybody. Yeah, you killed the family. You killed well, what the, they what so, they did was at they, they were one, they were in a place that they shouldn't have been. And I'm not saying anything even that that's controversial because after that happened, there were a lot of hard lessons learned there. Right. That was one of the uh, that's the most deaths in one day at the time for for seal history yeah. and there were some hard lessons learned there from what looked like simple mistakes and i won't go all the way down that road there's some really great but podcasts the bottom line about is that. it started but there. you're actually right there was a there was a core it was of an kindness. act of kindness yeah. and and that's that is that's the difficulty i think most people and this is why we've got all the craziness we've got in the world today is because people are saying well we need to be we need to love people we need to be inclusive we need to blah 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 well it's, it's like somebody said, kill them with kindness. What, what I would say is kindness can get you killed. Absolutely. So we don't need to go down that road. Well, Nick, and I, Nick and I were just talking, about, we were just reading in, in 1 John, right? 1 John mm-hmm. 5, 1 John 4. And, and he says that following God's commandments is loving your neighbor, mm-hmm. right? Like when you obey God's law, that is operating in love. Right. And right, so love is not making someone feel a certain way. Yeah. Love yeah. is operating by God's divine order. Yeah. Yeah. And so p- some people get things out of order. They get their priorities wrong and they think that kindness is the number one priority. Yeah, it, it was not kind for Jesus to walk in the temple with a whip in his hand, no. turn over the money changers tables and run everybody out. That was very unkind. He made a lot of people mad. Um, on and on we could go with that. But last thing in terms of just circling back to the family of choice, um, my family of choice is the most important family that I have. Mm -hmm. Now I have Sheila. She was not my sister. I married my family of choice. You say, how does family of choice works? It starts with the person that you choose to marry. That's the biggest decision. That's the biggest choice you'll ever make. Then if you choose to have family, you're still choosing to have children. They're still your choice, even though they become your origin. So, so 
really what God wants to do is to give you the wisdom to be able to choose the kind of people that you want to be around based on who you are. The problem is so many people don't know who they are. Yeah. And so exactly. they just they just think, well, yeah, but that's my mom or that's my dad or that's my brother or that's my sister. So I've got to got to do this and I've got to do that. And Jesus had a totally opposite thought process with that. So David, for instance, I'll just give you a quick history. David had seven brothers. But he had a Jonathan in his life, that yeah. they had a love for each other that was more than that of even a man and a woman, and people don't understand that. But how can a man love another man more than that of a woman? Because when a man and a woman come together, they're one flesh. When a man and a man link together, they're linked so in the good. spirit. I it's love that. so powerful. So when you begin, your, your family of choice is not just based on your preferences of who you would like to be around. Your family of choice is governed by your principles. It's governed by your values. It's governed by your standards. And the family that you are born into doesn't necessarily have your principles, doesn't necessarily have your values, doesn't necessarily have your standards. You still love them. You still will make an effort just out of respect. But I'm talking about who you choose to grow through life with should be governed by your principles, the truths that you live by. For us, that's the Word of God. Your values, the things that matter most to you, and your standards, which are the rules that you choose to live your life by. And so my parents so were good. my parents were drinking when I was in high school, partying. And then this is it kind of a and, I, and again I'm not saying this down, you know, be uh disrespectful or dishonoring my parents. I'm just telling you this is the kind of stuff I grew up in. So I would walk in, I would be five minutes late for my curfew was twelve o'clock when I was in high school. I'm not saying I was right, but my parents would be having a party in our house, drinking, and so my mother would say, You're grounded, you're five minutes late. You gotta know as a young person, I'm like looking going, This <laughs> this isn't right. The math isn't math. Yeah. Like this isn't say. right. That's why like today, and I won't go off on this, but today when you hear about what's happening in our world from the president of the United States to the transgender agendas, to all these different things, you just know it's not right. Just like I knew it wasn't right. And so it's like you, we have this chance in life to not only be the man that God wants us to be, and to be a part of a family, a tribe that we establish based on principles, the truths of the Word of God, based on values, what matters most, based on standards. These are the rules that we live by. But we also have a chance to be a part of something that's bigger than even our own family that's right. of origin and family of choice. And that's that's the family that we choose. And and that's what Elevate Life Church is really all about. It's a, it's, it's a tribe where, listen, there's a lot of churches you can go to and they don't have any men even getting together for any reason. I mean, for many, many years, I was the first men's conference speaker that anybody even ever had because men are just not like women who go to church and, oh, yay, good, and here's their necklace for coming. I mean, men are not going to they're, they're not gonna, uh, gravitate to the gospel or gravitate right. to church because of that. So when you have a strong male culture like we do, which I make no apology for, it's intentional, <laughs> it's on purpose, then the, the the outworking of that goes all the way back to my childhood. This is the kind of culture, this is the kind of, I call it the incubator of greatness, that I want to be a part of. You're, you are, and, and by the way, just thank you for, because you said really 
you know, this family of choice, it starts with a man living by his principles and everything. Yeah, and then a family of choice emanates out from that. You know, what Elevate Life Church is, what Mighty Men is, you know, what my family is, what this podcast is, and what so many of our listeners, the, the ones who are just in the Impossible Life family, and so many of the ones that are in the Elevate Life family get to experience, you know, like this just incredible brotherhood that we have, this yeah. incredible family that we have. And I just want to say thank you for being, you know, the core yeah. of that, who chose to live a life by principles, plant your fa- flag on something, do something for decades while you're waiting to see fruit so that we all get to, you know, walk in this. Well, up. I appreciate you say that, Garrett. And here, here's the thing. If, if you have this in your heart, like I have it in my heart and you turn around and nobody's following, then it's like, Oh man. Yeah. You've said, you've said, I've quoted you on it before. Yeah. You said it one time, if you're on, if you're walking and nobody's following, you're just on, a, if you're leading and nobody's following, you're just on a long walk. Yeah. A long walk. And it's a long <laughs> walk by yourself. So, but, but here's, here's the, here's the constitution you have to have though. None go with me. Yeah. That's so right. I will follow. That concludes part one with Keith Craft. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you come back next week for part two, and we will continue to go deeper as we explore why greatness is God's idea. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Remember to share, like, subscribe. If you think that this would be something that someone would enjoy, please send it to them. We appreciate it all. If you want to get in touch, you can follow us on Instagram at The Impossible Life. You'll find us on there. You can also email at impossiblelifepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you want to get in touch and find out about Garrett's personal or business coaching, that's the way to do it. Thank you again for listening. Go out there, think better, and live the impossible. See you again soon. Long before ice baths were a thing, Garrett was doing them in the SEAL teams. Now we do them as part of our daily morning routine to make us better. We are very pleased to have partnered with Freedom Plunge. Freedom Plunge is on a mission to bring cold exposure to everyone. They believe that cold plunges should be affordable, easy to use, and represent the customer themselves. Cold plunges shouldn't cost a fortune, and these ones don't. Garrett and I both use our Freedom Cold Plunge every single day. It's customized. You can put whatever you want on them. For us, we have our Impossible Life logos. And here's the best part. Just for listening to this podcast, you can go to freedomplunge.com, use the discount code IMPOSSIBLE, and save $500 off any Freedom Plunge. These things are half the price of the ones that you see on the internet, plus you're going to save an additional $500 with code IMPOSSIBLE. Go to freedomplunge.com and get yourself one now. You will not regret it.